authentic representation of the human like condition. I mean, n- not so much recently now that it's sort of been a bit more censored, but like, you know, there's so many deep pockets. It's almost like its own city in a way. And you've got like the little seedy alleys and you've just got like, you know, these big commercial billboards all around you. You know, there's all these different big mega YouTube. I feel like YouTube is just essentially just like the most authentic platform into looking at the human condition. I think that that rant there needs to be the intro, and this is where we say good day and start oh the my podcast. God. Because I want to start. The, I definitely want to start off like that. So oh, good day. How you going? <laughs> good thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good thanks. So uh, we found we finally came up with a name. Yeah, pretty good thanks. Yeah, I figured it was like you know what what do you guys like? Oh, you know we're pretty good. Cheers. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Well, how you going? I'm I'm just yeah, pretty good. I'm feeling good about doing this thing. I've I've been very excited about doing these shows. Now I think I've been pestering you like multiple times in the week, going, "When are we going to do another one? When are we going to do another one?" So, <laughs> well, with the way that you've just described YouTube, I'm now upset that this isn't a YouTube series. Yeah, honestly, if it's going to contribute to something that's the most accurate portrayal of the human condition, let's just I don't know. I think there's all sorts of thi- there's all sorts of things. I on think YouTube. That's, that's an awesome philosophy. No, I definitely don't disagree with that yeah. because it's like that's. It just it's very easy to access and just you know make the content it's not like you know content that's made by rich people for poor people or by poor people for rich people or you know by rich people for rich people it's like content that anyone can make and anyone can upload and pretty much anyone can view yeah and because everybody has a platform now to have an opinion it's like we don't actually need companies for news and stuff like it's it's just insane i don't know what else has been happening in your life in the last week? We we spoke to Stefan last week, and that was a banger of an episode. That's actually one of the that reasons. was r- that was really fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Um. So get this. Actually, last week we were talking about um how playing uh Call of Duty Warzone, and so I only get like two hundred gigs of download uh, a month here for internet, which is usually shitloads. But when I got the uh, Zach lent me the Xbox this month. I had to download Call of Duty Warzone and that file is fucking massive and I've turned my router off now because she's sitting at 198 gig <laughs> and I know Telstra are just going to be predatory and they're going to be like, we well, sure that you went 10 megabytes over, have this extra gig for 10 more dollars and you just fall into that trap and you end up owing 200 extra dollars. Maybe you don't, but I do. <laughs> it's the telephonic uh, microtransaction. <laughs> microtransactions too. Yeah, legit. So I've so I've had to veto playing Warzone until the next twenty days are over. So I'm now jumping on playing uh do you remember eight ball pool on mini cliff? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the shit that we used to play in high school. Yeah, yeah. Or even I remember the first time I ever had like computers was like uh grade three or four in like school. Yeah. And that was just like pre any sort of firewall for anything other than porn. So every day I was yeah. on mini clip playing you, games. You'd just be typing into Google like freegames.com or something like that. And it's just like that was your way of kind of like skipping out on primary school, right? Like, yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, I, I always but used I've, to do I've, that. I've decided to ride the nostalgia train this week. And, um, and I always get on there with a real like sort of heightened ego because I assume I'm playing against kids that are like nine and ten years old and I'm like I'm gonna fucking smash you you little dickhead and (laughs) then like half the time I end up getting my ass beat so (laughs) halfway through the game I change the narrative and I start to convince myself there's oh no it's probably just another guy like me who's up here (laughs) playing you know 
Good on you, mate. Beat me fair and square when, you know, going in with the attitude that I go on with, I deserve to get beaten by a fucking 10-year-old. That's a that's a piss-poor attitude to have towards such a childish game. It's like when you were, um, it was like the days of mathletics when you would, like, just choose, like, level one and you just knew you were, like, beating, you were, like, in year seven beating some little fucking grade one on, like, one plus two equations. Oh, the day I couldn't log into mathletics anymore. A part of me was so upset for that reason. <laughs> you just like you're just smashing these kids. I, wa- I actually wonder. I wonder if it's still a thing. Like I wonder if we could sign up for athletics. I remember I tried to after I moved from Billinock to Box Hill, and yeah, and I didn't have it anymore. And I wasn't sure if that was because I think at one point I forgot my password, and I think it was either that I'd forgotten my details. Or that uh, maybe it's commissioned through the school. That's how you have an account. So when you're not enrolled anymore. But um, yeah, I'd really like to see if I could sign back up somehow. I don't know. Could I claim that my house is some kind of educational administration and that I need to learn maths? Sure. Why not? It's a homeschool thing. It's a homeschool. I'm homeschooling myself. Fool. Yeah, you're homeschooling yourself, <laughs> fool. Uh, I would love to though. Son. Just- <laughs> Oh god, I feel like I feel like uh the tax office would probably look into it if I was claiming I have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd pretty quickly get taken down. At least I'd hope so. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to have um our USBs, the uh the like the multi desktop things? Oh Do you remember that? So a thing in our school got passed around on USBs. We, I mean, it was like always the same three sh- things. It was like uh, Counter-Strike, it was Halo CE, and it was like multi-desktops or like a Grand Theft Auto or something like that. These USBs got handed around our school like joints. Yeah, it was <laughs> People mad. People were just constantly. And I just remember the days where like you would just like you'd have these multi, like a multiple desktop kind of thing. And you would go and play, like it would be in class or at lunchtime and uh, you'd go into the computer lab and you're just playing Halo against each other. It's like a whole LAN party that's <laughs> happening and the teacher's patrolling and it's just a battle of like who can like get back onto their work screen and do enough. <laughs> but then you had to think deeper than that because then you had to then write enough progress to make it seem like it was realistic enough for you to have only thought of that many words in that space of time. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my God. That's so- the adrenaline rush you get. You see the teacher coming over and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> you're like, fli- And the way it also was just aesthetically pleasing the way this fucking cube kind of minimized from your screen and you could flip around the six sides of it on the nine sides. It was a or cube. Whatever. Yeah, it was amazing. I don't know who thought of this, like, program, but they were <coughs> fucking genius. It had to either be marketed to kids like us or dudes looking at porn who don't want to be caught by their wife. <laughs> <laughs> or they job, like security guards or some yeah. shit. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about people watching porn on the job. <laughs> but, yeah, I just remember having LAN parties and then... Uh, you know, if, if you just have this, like, sweat in the back of your head because, like, you've changed desktops to your your work and you're just getting shot at by the other people that are currently, like, playing against you. Knowing that you were just absolutely copying the L while you had to pretend to be working because the teacher was helicoptering over you was, like, so demoralizing. <laughs> oh, high school but was fun. I, I remember, like, the most sort of screen time I got on Counter-Strike was during our uh, VizCom classes because the <laughs> I, the only the only thing I remember from doing year eight VizCom was we had to make a video game cover 
and I made some like FIFA 09 bullshit, but it was like Al Qaeda 09. It was a picture of Osama bin Laden. <laughs> there was like yeah. explosions in the background. <laughs> And I look back on that and I'm like, what a little prick. <laughs> what, a little, what a little fucking ass. Didn't I rem- do his work. I remember those like uh, design classes just being like, you, there was two different types of students in that class. There was the serious students and then there was the ones that just like took advantage of it being like a quote unquote easy class because it was creative. So that people would just meme it <laughs> like yourself and just have like a sum up in life. <laughs> just like put very edgy shit, just memed it. <laughs> to be fair. I didn't. I didn't think specifically VizCom was a cruisy class. I just thought of my life as a cruisy. <laughs> and I was just like, eh, I'm, just, I'm smart enough to get away with it. You know, I'll, I'll do a bit. They'll give me a good enough grade, and she'll be right. But that was the. That was. You know, that was the time that we were. We were young, and we didn't have to think about. <laughs> and now, at least fifty percent of us has grown up. <laughs> You'll be surprised too. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good time though, and it was like I really like. I remember as well just playing old like Birds of Tokyo covers and Carnival covers with you in yeah uh, like on my fucking on my shitty Ibanez Geo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've still got I've still got um, footage on hard drives of me, you, and uh, Jared, the guy that we went to school with. Yeah, we were, we were all jamming together. Was, I still have all that footage where I was. I say that I'm still preview Besson, but like this was like very very. My voice has broken. Your voice was. L- it's very obvious this this is it like it's not that deep (laughs) that's it people (laughs) Um, oh it's great it's great though i looking back on that and we had the shittest haircuts dude yeah we both had these fucking awful haircuts (laughs) i was so greasy oh my god i didn't want to think about that yeah that's funny though that like i don't know that we stuck at it for so long that's it that's um that we didn't my earliest memory of you was at the, that year seven well, not year seven orientation but it was like I think it was the year before it might have been orientation but you were just wearing like an ACDC like family jewels t-shirt <laughs> and like that's my <laughs> earliest memory and I'm like I feel like I'm gonna get along with this guy but you were like you were still like so energetic as well still like you still I like you still talked so much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've never not talked a lot. Yeah. It's <laughs> Sh- awesome. Shockingly enough, at this point in my life, this is the least I've just hogged a conversation. I actively have to go out of my way and avoid it sometimes. <laughs> no, it's uh, awesome. But yeah, we we used to do we used to do a lot of fun fun little bands and and stuff in in high school. I remember you and Ariel started the unstable tables. Yep. Yeah. Which later turned into Sweet Talk the Princess. Yeah. Which was which was just an Weird turn of events, honestly. <laughs> um, that footage is it's out there. <laughs> well, there's footage of us as well playing in that uh, in that group with Charlie and Dave. Yeah, almost or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like us playing that one show at Thornbury. Yeah, we won a hundred dollars. It was great. We'd we, we'd only ever had one rehearsal for that show. It was our first show ever, <laughs> and we came first in a battle of the bands. It was incredible. I learned the songs the day of, and I was like, yeah, "She'll be right." Wore my Macca's shirt on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no, was good. Um, I think I pl- I played two sets that night. I played for Sweet Talk, and I played for you, and for the Almost that night. So I was very very vindicated when uh, the Almosts won a hundred dollars, and Sweet Talk the Princess didn't win anything. I was like, "Good, I'm in the better band." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "I made the right choice." <laughs> yeah, I backed the right horse on this one. <laughs> I I remember like Ariel's not here to, to to weigh in on this, but I, I 
I remember like the first time that uh, like me and Ariel sort of um, became close was I think it was in year eight. Um, he, and he he will always bring this story up about how I wanted to do this cover of Five Hundred Five by um, Arctic Monkeys. Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, and I um I I needed someone on guitar, and I knew that Ariel had started learning. So yeah, I'd asked him to to learn it, and uh, it ne- nothing ever eventuated of it. But it was just that experience. So we because we we live pretty close to each other, so we were just like walking to and from each other's houses and just like jamming i always got mad jealous hearing about how uh you and Aro used to live so close to each other oh really and just like be able to walk yeah yeah just be able to walk to each other's houses i was like because i never lived that close to anyone in my entire life True. and i was like i fucking wish i had that yeah because you would have had to have had a life of just like catching trains and stuff like oh yeah i'm train scum yeah <laughs> <laughs> i remember when i got my license my buddy uh, Ollie was like, you may have your license, but you'll always be train scum. And I'll be fucked if he wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even going to university, like, and taking the train, I still don't feel like train scum. You know what I mean? I feel like it has, it's very much in your developmental years. You have to become it. Yeah, 100%. I see. And when I'm on the roads in a car, I still feel like train scum. <laughs> <laughs> You can take the boy out of the train, but you'll never take the train out of the boy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, going back to what we were talking about, um, we didn't really ever play a show. We just like rehearsed a bunch. Um, Probably did a lot for uh, solidifying your opinion of uh, Ariel as a musician as well. Like later on when Reside was going to become a thing. You already had that rapport. Yeah, exactly. Reside was such a funny way. Like, I, I don't know if we've actually ever on record said the full story of how Reside started, but it was... <laughs> Behind the music, <laughs> <Yeah>. Reside. <laughs> well, after the Berlin Wall fell down, our record started selling on the dismal side of the Iron Curtain. <laughs> That's the Simpsons quote. I'm not going to take credit for that. What's his name? Yadagaria. <laughs> anyway, proceed. I, I just remember uh, I was doing hip-hop stuff. I was doing rap and electronic Acroid stuff. smart. Yes. Um, Do I got to spell it? <laughs> I was doing that stuff, and you were playing in Jour. Uh, the metalcore band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm totally going to put some blast beats under that. <laughs> It'll just be this one like bar in the middle of the podcast. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So you were playing in Jour and uh, I think I'd had played in Wind Waker, but then I'd left Wind Waker to pursue Acroid stuff. This would have been twenty. Uh, it would have been twenty sixteen. Yeah. Uh, around the time that we like first talked about reside. Yeah. So I yeah I'd imagine I think that we'd actually played a show together. I think we played that your local show for the Castaway single launch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been it back yeah. when I had the the fro. <laughs> and yeah. So I think you came to one of the Acroid shows, right? Is that when we is that when we first started talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So you you came, uh you had this show down at the uh, Stanford and Roeville and. I'd never been to one of your shows before and I'm not sure what it was about that night because at the time I wasn't even that keen on going to shows in general for some reason. But something just struck me that night and I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll make the trip. I went and it was a hassle of a trip too because I was train scum and getting to Roville is not easy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I got there and we ended up having a few drinks and then going and staying back at your one of your mate's places and partying a little bit. And I think you'd mentioned you were like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm working on something that's a bit more rocky, you know, it'd be good to do something like that. I was like, yeah, sure. And I'd mentioned at the time that I was like moving into your suburb. And so I was like, yeah, just uh, let's tee up a time to hang out. 
And then there was the first, like you were like one of the first people I had over at that house. And it was one of the first nights that you yeah, came over. I think it was like one of the played. first days you would, you moved in. Yeah. Yeah. It was within the first week for sure. Eas- easily. And I was like, yeah, come over, man. We uh, came over and sat outside with the plants and we, you put, you showed me the Fidelity demo. Yeah. I, and I, I was think, like, what's this? I think I had basically four demos at that time. Um, it was the two that you showed me were Fidelity and the unreleased Better. Yeah, exactly. I had those two. I had We're Not Monsters yet, or at least the start of it. And then I had, I think Home was another one that I had. I think those were like the first four songs that I we had. I had that basically was like, all right, I'm going to start a band. Even if it wasn't like, even if it wasn't just like a serious thing, like for us, it was you, me and Sal had met through, um, we played like at a rehearsal, we played like a lighting lab, just like rehearsal room just on a whim like just just a pop punk jam yeah just because we decided to just have a jam night one night and that was sort of how you met sal we got on like a fucking house on fire yeah, that dude. Night. it was it was really good vibes um so it was the three of us um you know a few other people were there and um we were you know jamming these songs um it was my introduction to basement i think you said um hole was also your introdu- introduction to basement as well so yeah yeah so yeah we jammed we, we, we jammed on hole and-, and like a few i think there was like story so far songs and i don't know it was like real easy pop punk stuff and then um i think that kind of solidified the three of us kind of at least in my head like an idea of like putting a band together um and then so then after that when i actually had put some songs together and sort of thought hey, like, why don't we just have, like, a little, like, rehearsal studio project where we just kind of get all of this teen angst out so I, so we can, so we, out of us, so we can focus on, you know, the projects that we're doing. And then, I don't know, it was really weird. Though I passed those demos around to all of our, like, scene friends, you know, you know, people that we know in the band, like, in, in bands um, and passed, like, these demos around and um, we ended up playing a house show. And so I remember that that was kind of like for me, all right, fuck, we've got to like actually have a bit of a deadline of what this might be. <laughs> um, even if it is just something for fun. I remember I remember at the time as well, like the initial plan was like, yeah, whatever, we'll just get together jam once a month, twice a month, you know, maybe play a house show or two. It'll be fun. Yeah. And then we start playing these house shows and people are like, that's sick. You guys are going to play any actual shows? And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we got like we played one house show and then we pl- got invited to play another and then so, and then uh, I think Terra maybe w- was that the third one they they asked us to play their EP launch yeah Terra Wrangler yeah and then that was like a proper show so then it was like okay well maybe this is actually like a thing and we were all we all agreed that we wanted to do just something for fun partly because I know Ariel yeah. was like focused very much in uni you had your i had acroid i'm not sure what sal had but sal definitely w- was keen to play he was just keen, <laughs> yeah he was just keen to play sal's, sal's always um, just been down he's just very like yeah. yep let's do it <laughs> and then yeah so we we got invited to play Terra's show and then we got invited to play the innocence show at your local and it's just like show up show off i kind of just kept falling into our lap and then it kind of like somehow became like a fun thing. I don't know. Yeah, we were like, oh, all right, well, you know, we're doing more and more shows now. I guess the more and more people sort of started to take us a bit more seriously that we were like, oh, maybe we should take ourselves more seriously. Yeah, I sort of have, I think we've always had like this disagreement as to where the band has started. Because like, I think for the <laughs> longest time, I feel like you and Ariel are sort of on the same page as to when sort of reside first began but like in my head i'm like i sort of have always tried to push 
the date later and later so it doesn't seem like we've been a band for as long just because i just like i see bands you know been around for less time and i sort of feel like oh man so um i've always but i've accepted that like resides a a bit more of a slow burn and so i'm very and i'm kind of more i'm very excited by that that idea so the yeah i'm kind of like more the more time that we have been a band the kind of more impressive it feels yeah, 100%. It's, you know, it's like, you know, we haven't like exploded or anything like that, but that's kind of a good mm. thing. I don't think I want to be thrown into that sort of the deep end of something. I think I'd rather just kind of yeah. like, it's, you know, slow, but always on the rise. And I'm like, hell yeah. You, I mean, like, honestly, you cannot say the reside has gotten bad. We've only gotten better. So, you you know, <laughs> just expect yeah, no one's good shit. That's all saying, I'm saying. Like, no one's ever said, oh, I wish they'd play their old shit. <laughs> Yeah, when did when do you feel like Reside actually first became a thing? Because it was a very gradual thing, but well, I feel like I don't know. The the obvious answer is to attribute that to when the name was made, which is like I can't remember. It was some early days. It was before we'd played a house show, but we were talking in an, in the uh, band inbox at the time, and I was uh, at working at Harvey Norman Nutterwanting as a rep, and I was very hungover, and we had that discussion. But I'd probably say like. For me, it's like the idea of Reside existed to me that first night that you came over to mm. when you showed me the demos. When I first heard the music, that's for me when I was like, Reside is a band I'm in and I'm, you know, glad I'm in this band sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. I remember right. we we had like a, we had a meeting at your, in the back, in your backyard. Like there was like five <laughs> of us in there and we, we, we decided on the name and we filmed that stupid little five second video of. Yeah. Oh, good. I were. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> You can date these stupid videos back to the first fucking thing we posted as a band. <laughs> I we've never. I'm glad that we've never made like a meme music video or anything like that. Yeah, top text, bottom text. <laughs> yeah, I will die before I do top text, bottom text. Like the the video, the video content's always really good, and it's like huge. Ariel gets a huge, huge amount of credit for that. Like, I don't think we'd be half the band we are without the. Uh, freedom that we get for video content that Ariel yeah. and his gear supply allows us. Definitely, yeah. And his skill. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to be able to do what we do, you know, with Ariel. Uh, he's 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 great. And I, I don't know, I, th- I, th- I think everyone has, like, such great strengths with coming up with ideas, you know. It's always it's always fun. I feel, always feel like I'm in a writer's room more than a band meeting. I was thinking that, the, uh, like... So it's great feeling like it's a writer's room the whole time and not that it's easy to come across that sort of thing, but I think it's much it's much more common than having a room like that where someone also has uh, the knowledge and means to execute your ideas because I've always been a big ideas guy, but I'm a dumb cunt, so I can't execute them properly ever. And so having, <laughs> having very capable people around me is terrific because I yeah. can just spurt out my little ADHD thoughts and be like, yeah, and they're like, yeah, do it. And like, and then having that in a whole room full of people, Ariel included, spurting out these great ideas. And then we end up with not only these like, you know, these videos that make us chuckle and we're like, yeah, we'll put them out. And then we've also got uh, like how the trailer for Fallen came up. was. I, I was really, I'm really happy with how like, Sort of from a design point, how things have kind of come together with this one, that, like aesthetically. That one was pretty much uh, just you and Ariel collaborating on that little uh, trailer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just me and Ariel. Yeah, and and then the big inspiration for that was a Clockwork Orange. We, oh, the trailer for a Clockwork Orange, 
which I fucking love. Yeah, well, it was it was like a it was an inspiration for from that, and it was just like kind of like this this Russian kind of European sort of style. Um, yeah, like I yeah. wanted some theora- like European theatrical film kind of vibe, and I wanted yeah, just like fast cuts and and things to look very practical and you know distorted in in ways that like would have been done you know sixty years ago. You know, so hundred percent. That was that was I think that big- came through terrifically as well. Like it was definitely I like watching that when you guys sent that through and you're like, yeah, here's the trailer. I was like, holy fuck, this looks terrific. I remember though, I had a I had a moment one night where I just like was sitting there and I was listening to I was listening back to the music that I'd done and I was just sitting there going, oh, okay, is this gonna is this a good idea or should we just do something that's like a little bit more traditional, like. Like I remember, <laughs> like I, I just remember sitting there going, "Oh, this. What if this doesn't look good? What if this just like looks really campy and real corny and just like not good at all?" I just had like this moment of doubt, and I messaged Ariel, and I was just like, "Hey, I have a va- look. If this doesn't come out well, just like I've got a backup plan. We can just do something a bit more normal and like another teaser kind of thing." And he was just like, "No, nah, I, I, I got this." And then he just came out with like the first like edit of it. And I was just like, all right. I sent him a message that night and I was like, I'm never doubting you again. Like, <laughs> Delivers uh, the goods. Yeah. He, he just delivered so much. So yeah. Props to, props to that man and everything that he does. So was the, was the inspiration uh, entirely that sort of 60s European sort of look? Or like, did you, did you, um, well, like a Clockwork a Orange, I, I, I found like a Clockwork Orange is, I guess, inspired, like Kubrick is obviously inspired by a lot of like Russian film, like directors and, and European film directors, um, you know, and, and obviously, and so it kind of like comes out in his work a little bit. And he's very meticulous. And so I just kind of, I thought he was like the closest reference I could think of off the top of my head. So I was like, oh, I remember seeing the Clockwork Orange trailer. Let me just get that up really quick because I was basically in the middle of a pitch to Ariel for this thing. <laughs> and I needed to come up with- Like, gotta film. land on my feet, gotta land on my feet. What can yeah. I bring up here? Yeah, I, I like, and I was just struggling to come up with an example because that, that's honestly all Ariel ever asks when we like, you know, pitch these ideas is like, he just needs a reference, reference. to kind of help him. So that was like the first thing I thought of. I, I was watching, because like, I saw that movie back when I was like 17 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I- Fucking! First of all, it's funny. Just I remember when I first see these movies because I associate it with whatever device I'm watching it on at the time. And I remember it was like some shitty school laptop that I just beat into shit. And it was like the lid was hanging off it, and I was like, "Oh god, this thing's gonna break any moment." But I watched it on that, and I really, really liked it at the time. And then, sort of uh, this this whole thing, this sort of thing, come to life. I was like, "Man, I should go watch that movie again." And I got like 25 minutes into it before we um before we started this podcast and like i did first of all i totally saw the um i totally totally saw the parallels between uh like what you guys did and the clockwork orange yeah also i can't believe how at the time i was like oh yeah this movie's you know a bit fucked up but it's old you know and i think it being older makes it made it have less impact on me but watching it now the first 15 minutes of that movie are so fucking confronting. I can't imagine what it was, what the reception was like at the time when it came yeah. out. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was a very controversial, it's still, it's still regarded as a pretty controversial film. I think, I think the whole idea is, I mean, I mean, it's based on, it's based on a book, um, obviously, but very much supposed to highlight the, 
the morality of what's happened, like what happens on, he, he's a really bad person, but is it okay to perform those bad things on him to change his behavior into being a good person? Like, how do you, Yeah. so I think, I think that's just basically just trying to suggest what, where he lands on the hyperviolence scale. <laughs> Have you ever, the weird thing about that movie as well is like the dialogue and the slang that they use. And in the movie, you can kind of pick it up. Uh, because of context, you mm. know, surroundings, whatever the character's doing. I bought the book. Have you ever fucking tried to read this thing? Holy shit, man. I am not smart enough for this book. <laughs> <laughs> did you- I just um, did, couldn't- Do you know about the 21st chapter? No, because I, I haven't made it through the book, obviously. So, so idiot. the whole idea is like there's 21 chapters in the book and it's supposed to signify like it's his age, like it's Alex's age. Yep. And so- uh, yeah, and basically in the US release of the book um, and also in Kubrick's film adaptation, um, it removes the, the 21st um, chapter and it finishes on the 20th chapter. Oh, okay. oh, okay. So, shit, maybe I should give this thing a second crack and see if I can decode it because yeah. so there's a whole other chapter there at the end that's yeah, like- Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I won't- sp- Look, if you, if, you, if you don't want me to spoil it for you, I, I won't, but um, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe don't. I'll, I'll, I'll have a crack at it and yeah. maybe I'll report back to you in one week. Yeah. You'll be like, how are you going on the book? And I'll be like, I've cooked it. <laughs> oh, I haven't, I haven't read a page. <laughs> but yeah, that's so that's just a little little fun tidbit about uh about a Clockwork Orange. Is it just like closure to the story, or is it like a big, big sort of? It's, I would definitely say it's more closure to the story for sure. Um, but yeah, it was more a decision by the U.S. publishers to uh not put it in because it would sell better in the U.S. market. Um, whereas the actual ending that he intended wouldn't do as well. Okay, hang on. I got, first of all, I should see if there's 21 chapters in this thing or if it's just like the US sort of release. And if there isn't 21 chapters, then you can go ahead and spoil the ending because, you know, I'm not going out and buying another fucking book. Already got it. <laughs> nah, can't tell. It's not telling me. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Stanley Kubrick though, he, uh, yeah, he didn't put that, I, he was pretty true to the American release. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's amazing. I, I actually saw Dr. Sleep uh, recently. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. Was that Kubrick? It was a, this American director who is, he's only done like these like horror movies basically, but he, he directed it. And this, it's really awesome how he does it because what, what happens is there's like certain sequences. I mean, very much the movie is very modern, but then they go back to the hotel towards the end. Um, spoil. I don't think this is, that's a spoiler. It's just a, a plot point in the, in the story, but they go yeah. back to the hotel and um, they start. It starts filming very much in the style of Kubrick. They kind of use Kubrick's style as like a character for the hotel. Um, oh, okay. And so like the way they the way they shoot it turns into like a Kubrick style film. Um, with the way it's paced in its editing and like comp- composition, it's really cool how they do it. Um, yeah. So they actually kind of they kind of separate those worlds in and out of the hotel then through the cinematography. Hundred percent. Yeah. <sighs> That's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I thought I I really liked Doctor Sleep. I think it was criminally underrated movie, and I thought it served as a really good in between for Kubrick's adaptation and Stephen King's intention of the book. It basically kind of gives you Stephen King's intention intended ending while being able to make sense in a Kubrick universe. That's some that is some mad fucking da- choreography from whoever put that together. Then because I know yeah. that. 
I know that they were insane. vastly, vastly different stories, The Shinings, yeah. uh, the book and the uh, movie. The novel and the uh, film. I feel like I'd want to talk freely about the, the ending, but I don't know if I want to feel like spoiling it or anything. <laughs> so. We should make a rule not to bring up any movies that the other person hasn't seen because yeah. we're just going to end up being like, and then, oh, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Dude, did so- I ever tell you about the time I accidentally spoiled Breaking Bad for a dude? <laughs> no. Go, please, tell oh, the story. Oh, my God. I did not forgive myself for years. I still like I'm not quite over it because <laughs> I was um hanging out with my buddy Dave and uh his mate lived up the road and so we went over to his mate's place and we sat in the garage and got up to whatever mischief kids get up to. And we're talking about how good Breaking Bad is and all right, hang on. Spoiler, spoiler for Breaking Bad. You skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't seen Breaking Bad. Okay, so we're talking about Breaking Bad, how good it is. And I'm like, yeah, dude, can you fucking believe that Hank dies? I spoiled that episode. And this kid, spoiler over, by the way. And this dude was like, I haven't seen that part. And my heart sunk. And I was like, and he was a pretty cool guy as well. I wanted to impress this guy. And he was like, I haven't seen that part. And I was like, oh, I look like the biggest fucking twat right now. (laughs) (laughs) And every subsequent time I saw him for like five years, I'd be like, hey, man, Sorry about Breaking Bad. <laughs> like, I just didn't let it go. And I'm not sure if he let it go, but I just, I made it up in my head that he was harboring this grudge against me. So every time I saw him, I had to apologize for it. It was really neurotic. <laughs> i tell you what, you and I are a fucking perfect match for each other. We're so neurotic about things. We're so neurotic try- and we hold, we hold on to shit. I'm still holding on to that Billy Elliot thing. And it's... <laughs> Oh, can I please tell this story? Please tell the story because at least you're the unbiased third party. If I tell it, it's going to be biased. <laughs> so we're what? Oh, yeah, Billy Elliot spoilers, but no one gives a fuck. So we're watching Billy Elliot in year eight as part of an English thing. <laughs> we're watching Billy Elliot and. Uh, at the end, you know, it's like Billy's grown up and he's going to go dance on stage. And it's like, yeah, he's accomplished his dreams. Heartwarming. Nice. But uh, you don't see him right away. And you kind of pan across this room of ballet dancers. And then the camera stops on this one character who you can, you know, just you assume to be your Billy. And a stagehand comes up to him and he says five minutes before stage or, you know, 30 seconds before stage or something like that. And this guy just kind of like nods and he's like, yeah, all right. But so- we're watching this in year eight. I'm sitting in the middle. Next to my left is Liam and to my right is our mate Daniel. And I, you know, and I can't remember and I choose, I opt for ignorance and I choose to say I'm biased because of how much Liam's held on to this. Because in that scene, you know, it pans across the ballet dancers, stops on this guy. We see the stage hand come across five minutes till stage. And one of them says, thanks, Billy kind of making this joke, implying that Billy just grew up to be a stagehand, you know, and he never accomplished his dreams. Yeah. Fucking hilarious joke. I lost my it's shit. It's a good joke. <laughs> and there is, <laughs> it's a contentious joke though, because there is dispute between the two of them, or there was like a year later about who really made the joke. And Daniel thought that Daniel had made the joke and Liam thought that Liam had made the joke. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, nah, I made that joke. Neither fucking one of them would let it go. I'm standing there in the middle and I'm like, doesn't matter, guys. <laughs> just fucking let it go. And to this day, every time Liam brings it up, it just gets funnier and funnier because I'm like, I can't fucking believe that A, you remember that and B, it still fires you up as much as it does it because does. you become livid. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke worth fighting for. If it, if it is my, if it is, I'm going to, I'm going to say if it, if it is my joke, 
It's the it's the best joke I've ever made in my entire life. I'm calling it there. Oh, dude, I don't know. Your adult modern warfare two lobby call last <laughs> night was or the, not last night. Last week was pretty fucking good. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that one too. <laughs> the response you made some cracker jokes. One. I think you're hyping this joke a bit. To, all right, it was a good joke, and I really <laughs> laughed at the time. But I think that holding on to it for so long has put it on this pedestal where you're like, it's the funniest joke I've ever made. And it's like, no, nah, it's not. It's it's what gets me up in the morning, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the night, cold sweat. Like, no, this is my joke. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah, God, I, um, that's so fucking You said you, you mentioned to me that uh like you felt like the cinema influence was very like Instagram aesthetic and you said that a couple times to me when we were discussing like this show. I was just going to ask you like what did you what did you mean by Instagram aesthetic? I think, think I was kind of remembering sort of the uh what I'd seen of the of a clockwork orange and like the costumes and stuff like that and where I've seen it parodied like regular show and mm-hmm. thinking yeah, that's like the the costumes and stuff like that. They're very campy. They're very colourful. And I'm not sure if it's like 80s ahead of its time or if it's just that cyclical fashion sort of thing where it's like you go two decades back and you look at it with rose tinted goggles and people start sure. dressing like that again, like in the 2010s, yeah, everyone yeah. in the 90s. But then watching A Clockwork Orange, uh, you know, just now before getting on, like- a lot of even even Alex's parents, uh, his mum's got this like cool pink hair or whatever, and the, you know their house is really it's almost like uh, Edward Scissorhands, Tim Burton esque, but not as yeah, pastel, like you. a lot a lot more abrasive. The sort of it's like if Tim Burton, Wes Anderson had a baby, <laughs> but was older, <laughs> much much older. <laughs> yeah, the creepy um, uncle, <laughs> the old crunkle, crunkle, my crunk. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, and then just kind of watching how it was shot, a lot of the, like, not only just how things are framed, but I can look, basically what I mean is I can see the influence of, you know, great cinematographers and great directors and what that's kind of had maybe inadvertently on social media and Instagram culture, you know, just like the, th- the things that people do every day in their photos, just regular ass people like you and me and sort of seeing that done on a larger scale with someone that's, you know, got money and knows what they're doing. <laughs> I can see that. How sort do of you s- feel? What I was going to say to you is um, you're talking about Instagram. How do you feel about the whole like reels thing that they've just introduced? I don't even understand it, to be honest. I like I understood IGTV when that came out because it was like, OK, video longer than a minute. Now I can click on it and watch it. What is reels? What is that? It's uh, basically their version of introducing TikToks, kind of like how when Instagram stories was uh, their way of doing Snapchat. Yeah, Instagram kicked the shit out of Snapchat like that. When Instagram stories first came out, I was like, that's a Snapchat thing. Leave it alone, mate. But now, you know, fuck uses Snapchat. (laughs) Yeah, so I think this is Instagram's attempt or Facebook's attempt at at doing TikTok on their platform, which I think is going to kind of probably destroy their platform. It'll do the Facebook thing where like, there's too many things on Facebook now and it's too overwhelming so you don't stay on Facebook. Oh, Facebook's a fucking mess, dude. You're absolutely right. Well, see, that's the thing. It'll either, you know, do bad things for Facebook or it will just completely consume TikTok. Like, where the fuck did Vine go? What happened to that? Like, t- and TikTok is like, a, you know, a decade well, Vine, later Vine sort of Vine thing. Vine shut down. It Like, I, I, don't, I don't remember the actual story, so I'm, I... I would be talking out of my ass if I said it with any kind of authority. But I think what Vine shut down 
I don't think it was a case of like it being. I know it wasn't like eaten up by anything, but it's just kind of like, I think when I see a new form of social media come along and then this huge Disney-esque monster conglomerate that is Facebook kind of starts intimidating. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own personal perception of it, but I see it as this giant like black gooey monster that's just like, and then like sucking up this other social media. Yeah. But I, anyway, to answer your question, I don't know, you know, Instagram reels. Look, Instagram is like, I don't know. I, I say, oh man, you know, social media suck, but I spent all fucking day on them because they suck me in like a black hole. But I'm not that into my like content creator culture. Like I'm mostly just there to see what my mates are up to or see if there's like, you know, a funny meme or something like that that I can look <laughs> at. But, <laughs> you know. And, you know, while I did talk shit on like the, uh, you know, Instagram story thing when it came out. Now it's like a, like for the sake of going on to see what my mates are up to. It's something that I really, really enjoy because it's like, I don't know. I think there's a certain level of commitment with a post because people see it. And then, you know, it's like, how many likes did I get or something like that? If you're uh, shallow like me. And (laughs) (laughs) I've kind of liked the new uh, persona you've adopted uh, today. With your uh, just telling everyone, like, fuck you for telling us to keep it up. I, I, I kind of <laughs> like this new aggressive persona that you've put on. <laughs> you think that's the that's the new the new Dylan Houston persona that should be out there on the social yeah. media? Me just, an- just antagonizing just everyone. Hey, man, if there's an angry man reacts, why can't there be just an angry <laughs> Dylan? Yeah, just There's little a little rant. Like, so some dickhead came up to me at a show and he said, Oi, are you the drummer for Azad? I said, Fuck's asking. Why do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe the audacity comes up to ask me what I do. You know, it's like, get out of my face. Do I know you? Do I fucking know you? Okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't put out that kind of persona in anything but jest because realistically I just I like every, I don't like everyone but I want to talk to everyone and I'd want to like everyone yeah exactly you have no reason to to go into a, a situation not liking anybody <laughs> this week in music I just wanted to like quickly say there's actually like a lot of very cool releases at least close to home um that I wanted to kind of like or just like at least highlight for the week yours truly you know, they got their single coming out, uh, or did come out, got premiered as well last night, actually. Great people. Gloom in the Corner. Yep. Gloom I don't in know the Corner if, on Friday, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, they they premiered as well. Um, good guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they take this whole, uh, they had like, they've had this whole rollout going on and it's been really cool to kind of see it unfold. So, uh, and then obviously we had Stefan on last week and Snark's EP's come out. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I love those first two singles. So I'm really excited to listen to it this weekend. Absolutely. I'm fucking keen. And then, uh, yeah, the bad GG guys are also putting out their EP on Friday, uh, and they've released some two banger singles. So I'm going to probably check that out this weekend as well. Yeah. Your yeah. homework cut out for you, mate. I do. I do. <laughs> gotta have, gotta, gotta hear, gotta hear the homies, you know? <laughs> Gotta hear everything. I gotta have ears everywhere. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, man? Uh, Just in terms of like, what have you got planned to? What do you What do you got planned for the week? Uh, Plan for the week. Well, uh, I'm gonna finish regular show at some point. I'm kind of waiting for a a buddy of mine to drop something off for me so I can uh, enjoy it at its highest capacity. But (laughs) I am gonna get to the ending of that, and it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be emotional, uh, definitely. But I think after that. I'm gonna. I'm already planning on how I'm gonna grieve it, which is by I'm gonna dive right into close enough yes. because I feel like 
there's no better time than that where I've had my refresher course on all of the JG Quintal work that I love, which you know, which is a regular show. If you find a way to watch it, send me a link because I've only seen the first step or the first two episodes, and after that, I haven't seen where I can watch the rest of the season. I've actually got a really dodgy site at the moment that's doing me wonders. It's uh, there's like it's one of those sites where you got to like open and close five ads before you like actually get to watch the video. But still, Ah, I'm I'm very very about it. But so I think that's what I'm going to dive into after regular show. But other than that, going to be just I guess writing music. I've been telling myself I'm going to clean this goddamn apartment for a week, and I'm just like living in filth. (laughs) And every day I wake up and I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm probably just going to keep going on walks, writing music, watching cartoons. Um, and, oh, and actually, I've um, a buddy of mine, Roscoe, has asked me to do some uh, keys on a couple of his tracks. He he was, um, he was released that song 100% Spin as I love my yeah. ciggies. I love, that's a- <laughs> It's a very good song. It's a, that banjo riff is just like, I, I like just how unrelenting it is and it's really, really catchy. So- I just, I, I, I just think it's such a unique, like, expression- and it, it could only it could only come out of Australia, <laughs> like, and that's what I really like about it, and I really appreciate about it. It's 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 amazing. And there's like, even though it lends itself to like very bluegrass, uh, um, at least instrumentally, uh, the vocal stylings and the content, uh, you know, because he showed me a couple of his other songs as well, and even when they're, you know, like, there's there's that one, but a lot of them, in fact, most of them, uh. Uh, you know, more serious and introspective songs. But uh, even the expression there vocally and lyrically is lends itself heaps more to punk while still sort of retaining these um these bluesy and bluegrass sort of roots. And I really, really dig it. So when he was like, yeah, can you play some keys? And he sent me a bunch of tracks. I was like, fucking oath, this shit slaps. And then there's some heavier tracks as well, which you know I'm a sucker for. So yeah. that's probably going to be my week ahead is uh working on that cartoons, you know, tell myself I'm going to clean, go on a bunch of walks. Interested uh, to see how you uh, put put those keyboard elements into into place, like with that music. I'm interested too, and there's a little part of me that is a bit anxious about some of it. It's like, fuck, do I have the chops to play with this guy? <laughs> you know, to to deliver the product that he needs. But I'm going to give it my best crack. That's it, man. You can only try, and that seems like a perfect place to kind of end that. Yeah, yeah. This uh, has been this has been fun. I've actually really really enjoyed this. I say actually as if I usually don't, but. um so uh we're going to be putting out episodes to this regularly on tuesdays um yeah i guess we'll see you next well i've been liam and and yeah i'll I'll remain to be dylan (laughs) i actually really like that we keep saying that (laughs) you keep setting me up for it and i'm like the first time i was like huh funny little play on words and then i was like i'm gonna say it again bro you know you know that even when i don't think it's funny i'll drive a joke into the ground Yeah, no, 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 I'm going to continue to do it. All right, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye.